You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans. From the West Coast, I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, December 20th, and I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor, Paige Van Horn from Denver. PBH, how's it going, my friend? Good, buddy. How are you? Good, good. Good to be with you. We are also joined by South Stands contributor, Chad Plummer from Cleveland CP. What's the word from the 216? What up? What up, guys? Just a um, nice little chill Sunday. My yeah. anxiety levels are back to normal, but other than that, I'll do. <laughs> All right. Finally, we are thrilled to have special contributor Matt Sloan from Brooklyn back from his South Stands hiatus along for the <laughs> ride today. Sloaner, good to be with you, my friend. How's it going, buddy? It's going really good. I'm on my toes. I've done my my 20 jumping jacks and 50 burpees, so I'm ready, to, ready for you guys to put me through my paces. All right, buddy. Okay. So yesterday in Indianapolis, the Buckeyes would find themselves shorthanded for the second game in a row. Another 23 scholarship players were unavailable for the Big Ten Championship game against Northwestern thanks to a combination of COVID and other injuries. Among the absences were star receiver Chris Olave, receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba, starting Sam linebacker Baron Browning, punter Drew Chrisman, safeties Marcus Hooker and Ronnie Hickman, whose absences didn't appear to be COVID related because they were both on the sidelines. Defensive ends Tyler Friday and Javante Jean-Baptiste, two very big rotational guys for Ohio State on that side of the ball. And to make matters worse, starting running back Master Teague had to leave the game after only two carries with an undisclosed injury and did not return. Now, for most of the day, Ryan Day stubbornly refused to lean on his running game and continued to force the issue, throwing the ball with Justin Fields, who was held to a career-worst 12 of 27 for 114 yards, two picks, and zero touchdowns by one of the country's best pass defenses. Now, eventually, Day came around and started feeding running back Trey Sermon, who became the game's unlikely hero on offense. Sermon shattered the school's single-game rushing record set by Eddie George in 1995, running for 331 yards on 29 carries and two touchdowns. I believe that also set the Big Ten title game record. I mean, honestly, who saw that kind of a game coming from Sermon at any point this season? I, for one, am stunned by the transformation of Sermon, who has looked like a completely different back over the last month. Now, after giving up a 75-yard touchdown drive on Northwestern's first possession, the Ohio State defense settled down, limiting the Wildcats to three points and 250 yards of total offense, though there would be some harrowing moments. Six-year senior linebacker Justin Hilliard, who started in place of Baron Browning, was again an unlikely hero on the defensive side of the ball. Hilliard authored what I felt was the turning point in the game early in the third quarter, with the Buckeyes trailing 10-6 when he picked off Peyton Ramsey in the end zone to kill a promising Northwestern drive. In the end, Ohio State found a way to grind out a 22-10 win over the pesky Wildcats for a school record fourth consecutive outright Big Ten title and a second straight berth in the college football playoff. The Buckeyes are the three seed and will face number two Clemson in New Orleans in the Sugar Bowl on January 1st. More on that in a moment. All right, boys. I want to go around the horn and get your impressions about what we saw from the Buckeyes in Indy yesterday. Now, things played out much as we expected on the defensive side of the ball for the Buckeyes, but I think it's safe to say we were all very surprised, both pleasantly and unpleasantly, by what we saw from the Ohio State offense. And that's where I want to start. Matt, 
Sloan, I want to start with you. What did you see from the Ohio State offense yesterday that stood out? Well, you know, they, they weren't explosive. They were extremely flat. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we, uh, in our usual texts, I forgot who was the person that said it, but there, I know actually it was on your last podcast, you said that they would come rearing out given the, the national talk about the playoff talk and the um, not being able to play the Michigan game, that they would come out like out of the gates, like firing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't. They looked extremely flat. Fields looked extremely flat. Yeah. You know, the biggest thing I, I, I took away from this game is that six games, they look like a team that just played their second game, and the first game was against Ball State. <laughs> they just did, They just didn't look sharp. Yeah. They didn't look ready. And I think there's a – obviously there's a, a continuity of Northwestern being able to play all their games together and being able to play – uh, not miss a game, having any of their games canceled. If I'm not, or no, they had they had a couple games canceled, but they they played with all their players the whole year, right. and that came across. They played with like a much more cohesive unit. We did not. Um, and I'm I'll let you guys pick apart Fields because he just he looked he didn't look anything as advertised. Uh, he was making bad decisions. He was trying to get uh, you know a little cute with passes mm-hmm. and. Not playing to his strengths. And, you know, the funny thing is a lot of times he was trying to make a great play rather than just running the ball or throwing the ball out of bounds, which it's, it's a little bit concerning that he doesn't know how to figure – he hasn't figured out that thing of getting himself out of a jam like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've always been bullish on Sermon like, because I saw his Oklahoma film highlights. I'm like, God, this, this is a great get. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was – I didn't, did I ever think he would go over 300? No, but I knew that he, I knew that he could be a solid hundred yard gain and he did really good. And, yeah. you know, hats off to Petit Fuhrer and the, a lot of the guys on the offensive line, not your great. boy Miller, but yeah. like every, but, but <laughs> your whipping post. Boy Miller. <laughs> uh, but you know, they, they, you saw those holes opening up the whole time. Even when they went for a pass, when he tried to do a fake and do a pass play, you play action, you know, that it was there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it was, it was a tough game to watch, to be honest. Yeah, it really was. Chad, I know you've been bullish on Trey Sermon all season. What did you see from Sermon and the rest of the Ohio state offense yesterday that stood out? I mean, it must've been a good day. Trey didn't have to use his AK. <laughs> he, was, he was running with like, he had like a, a purpose yesterday, man. It was, just, it was great. And, to you know, to alluded to Sloaner's point, the offensive line, man, they 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 stepped up. Um, and gave him some big holes because you know, obviously, we needed something. Um, yeah, we did. Like Fields, I think he might have eaten a hybrid before the game. There, it's <laughs> <laughs> what he looked like. And like his, the look on his face were just like confused and yeah. just like you know, like disheveled. It was very very weird. Yeah. Um, I will say for you know his first real game as a freshman, um, Julian Fleming I think had uh, what four catches for fifty three yards, which is not too bad. Yeah, he was um, good. So I mean, obviously that's a bright spot, you know, for next year and and moving forward. But uh, you know, I'll tell you what, I think he only had one carry yesterday. But you talk about a, a, a short, you know short yard back who just can run people over. And that's that Mayan Williams. Man. Yeah. They can't run people over. Yeah. So, um, yeah, other than that, I, 
I, I'm not like you guys said. It, it was very. I mean, you know, I thought it was gonna be one of those games. I actually watched it with Hoagland, and I said, "Oh man, I hope well, it'd be nice just to be able to sit here and chill out and have a couple of cocktails and not be freaking out." That's what <laughs> I thought we were gonna have, and then all of a sudden, like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, like I didn't even check our text thread yesterday, but I just kept. It's a good thing you didn't. It. PVH, what did you see from the Ohio State offense yesterday? Yeah. It was tough, man, right? That was, uh, my dad called me. It was actually pretty funny right after the game. And he said, I just did one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I'm like, what was that? And he's like, I watched that whole game without drinking. <laughs> 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 and I was like, well, yeah, that's uh, Juan and I didn't get through the first freaking quarter. So uh, <laughs> the Bloody Marys were starting to flow uh, immediately, which was, you know, it so you like you listen to the post game stuff and and day and i don't know i part, part of me found it a little bit uh i disingenuous seems sort of strong but you know he was saying hey look we had to throw the ball to loosen them up for the pass and mm-hmm. i i mean everybody and their brother could see that they're dropping six seven eight guys back into coverage right Right. And so those guys weren't open. And part of that, you know, then leads into fields, holds on to the ball too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he takes these unnecessary sacks. OK, that's that's all fine. The one thing, though, I did find most curious about the play calling was that not only was he calling passing plays, but they were difficult passes. Yeah. Right. Like he's throwing down and out passes to 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 Fleming and to Wilson that the ball is actually traveling 35 yards for an eight yard gain. Those right. are not easy passes to complete. Mm-mm. Right. So where is the underneath stuff? Where is the crossing patterns like, you know, against Michigan where they just destroy teams? And if that's not there because Michigan is or I mean, because Northwestern's taking it away, then you have to make an adjustment faster than he did. And so yeah. that was sort of the big thing that I thought it wasn't. Yeah, it was bad enough that you were passing, but it was just the types of passes that he was calling. There was those two moronic, right, where he's literally throwing the ball across the field, right? right? Um, you know, th- those, I don't know, they just don't ever seem to work for us. And clearly they didn't work yesterday. And I just kind of think he outsmarted himself or was just trying to be a little bit too cute. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they figured it out, They, you know, and and they, they took control of the game. Um the other big thing, and you mentioned it, I thought the turning point of the whole game was Hilliard's interception. Yeah. If 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 Northwestern scores yeah. that touchdown coming out of halftime, they're they're up what seventeen to six. Yeah. I think that could have been a completely different game. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't smooth sailing from there. But if, if he doesn't make that play in Northwestern scores, then I think you're legitimately looking at an outcome where a high state could have lost that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that guy just played lights out. So happy is all get out for him, you know, six years in the program. Um, but it's not easy, right? And, you know, you even kind of said it, uh, you know, when we talked, I, I didn't think it would be close. Uh, hats off to Northwestern. Hats off to Fitzgerald. Yeah, I mean, you know great. they they outcoached Ohio State, right? Yeah, they did. Now were we yep. flat? Yeah, probably. Were we rusty? Yeah, probably. Were we outcoached? Yeah, probably. Um, but you know, over four quarters, you know, athleticism and talent wins out, and that's why we won that game. That's the only reason why we won that game, though. Hmm. Yeah, but yesterday was Ohio State's lowest point total of the Ryan Day era. It was their lowest output, in fact, since the 
loss to Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl. Now, their red zone failures yesterday were eerily similar to the Fiesta Bowl, by the way. And for a while, I was very concerned. Paige, as you said, we might be headed toward the same result. Ryan's day refusal to run the ball for much of the game was stupefying. And it was the main culprit for Ohio State's red zone struggles, in my view. The game did not have to be that close. I, I thought, and I thought Day was equally stubborn against Indiana a few weeks back. And like Indiana, I don't think Day came into this game with a great plan for Justin Fields. Certainly Fields deserves his share of criticism for the way he played. But I think it was a reflection of the game plan and a reflection of his head coach, who, you know, as we say, is a, a quarterback guru. And, and, you know, this is even accounting for the fact that Ohio State was without a very important cog in the passing game in Chris Olave. Look, Day is off to a very promising start as a head coach in two seasons. He's 22-1 and one with two outright Big Ten championships. He, what he's done in recruiting, as we've talked about ad nauseum, has been nothing short of spectacular. But I think there's a lot of room for, for him still to grow on game day. He has this tendency to be overly aggressive and stubborn as a play caller. And those are tendencies he's going to have to manage, I think, going forward as a head coach. Or, you know, it could cost him games that he should be that he should win. That's probably why we lost the Clemson game. If you oh, want yeah? to put a fine point on that. that. That's a really good point. Actually, I, I would agree with that. Now, on a more positive note, what the Indiana and Northwestern games demonstrate is if you attempt to sell out to stop Justin Fields in the Ohio State passing game, the ground game will make you pay for it. Yesterday was the third straight game. Ohio State went over 300 yards rushing. They went for 399. I think we can all agree they could have easily hit 500 on the ground if they wanted to. Yesterday, Trey Sermon was the bell cow, but against Indiana, it was Master Teague. So, Paige, I think you said at the beginning of the year, you had quipped like, hey, I could run for 100 yards behind this offensive line. And I think that's very much true. That is an NFL defensive line. I think that is the heart and soul of this offense. And I think that is the security blanket of this offense for Ryan Day. Hey, when in doubt, let those guys get out in front and run block for you. Again, they were down Chris Olave. He's a very important cog to this offense. I, I understood that going in, but I did not expect the gaping hole that he left in the Buckeye passing game yesterday. Also, not having Jackson Smith and Jigba really hurt. He, I think he's their third best receiver behind Olave and Wilson. You know, Olave isn't just their biggest threat vertically, but he's very important to them as a possession receiver and keeping the offense on schedule. We really, really missed him. So my takeaway moving forward now is, look, we are going to need our full complement of weapons to have any chance against Clemson. Now, it was reported earlier today, I don't know if you guys heard this, the Big Ten has adjusted its 21-day shutdown rule for any player testing positive to 17 days. Ryan Day said on a, in an interview on ESPN earlier that that, seven, that adjustment will allow most of the players that missed yesterday to return. So that's good news. Matt, let me kick it back to you. Is there anything we miss on offense that you want to cover? I thought there was times when, you know, my boy Jamison, triple distilled, Jamison was pretty wide open and he just threw a horrible pass. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know Alave being out there with him throwing that way because, frankly, Fleming made some great catches off some pretty, that's true. pretty piss poor throws. Yeah. I think the biggest move, you know, I think Wilson and Jamison could have had a much more meaningful game if there were better passing or his time, his timing just looked really off. Yeah. So I, that was another thing. Like I saw a lot of times when Wilson and Jamison had clearly were, were clearly open and it was just not thrown well. Yeah. Uh, but like Pate said, there was like some tough passes that he tends to make and maybe we take for granted, but you know, 
the guy had an off game, but that's yeah, that's about all I have to say about the offense. Right? Yeah, with with Olave, the one thing that he does do really well as a veteran, a very smart veteran receiver, is in in a zone defense approach as Northwestern was throwing to him is kind of like a mannish, somewhat zone kind of approach. I, I think of basketball like a matchup zone, right? Like whoever comes into your area, you man up. Right. That, that that to me seems to be the kind of defense Northwestern plays uh, on the back end. Alavi's really good at finding those openings in the zone defense and settling down and, and getting himself open. And I feel like they really missed that. But to your point, point. Your, to your point, Sloaner, with the way Fields was throwing yesterday, he was very inaccurate. It may not have made a difference. Chad, do you have anything else you want to share about the offense? Yeah, you know what? I wanted to ask you guys because like, I was like blown away, but was that going to be a, a halfback toss pass that shit throw he put to Wilson in the backfield? Was, looked like was it. Wilson going to throw that ball? Yeah, looked like you it. Remember that play? Looked like it to me. I mean, yeah. that was crazy. I mean, he didn't, I mean, you know, that, that just goes to show you how off he was yesterday when he couldn't even make a six yard pass to Wilson behind him. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And and a curious play call, quite frankly, by by Ryan Day, right? I mean, I understand trying to catch Northwestern off guard, but, you know, the gadgetry really hasn't been a part of the Ohio State arsenal this year. And a curious play call. Of course, Northwestern devoured that play. It, 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 I, I hated that play call. PBH, anything else you want to share about the offense before we move yeah, forward? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, exactly. Like, just, it, it, he just got too cute. And I don't know if it's just... You know, he's uh, just, just take what's there. That was the the frustrating thing. Like, you know, like Ruckert, like that guy's a good player. Like he never gets a ball thrown to him. You can't, you tell me you can't just have him run down the middle of the field and do a simple curl route for six yards. And that's not going to be open. Mm -hmm. He's going to be lined up against a good point page. He's going to be lined up against a linebacker. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go back. I said it before the throws that, that that fields were making were not easy throws those are right. difficult long throws for not a whole lot of positive gain and it just didn't you know and then you know the trickery it's just like that's just not our game just you know northwestern clearly was selling out to stop the pass so yeah. i'm saying you can't go 100 run either but then just adjust and make some passes throw to your tight end some you know how about you know sermon out of the backfield throw him the ball like we yeah. haven't seen that um you know, pretty much all season. So what, whatever they got through it, you know, by the skin of their teeth. Um, but I do think day needs to be a little bit, you know, reflective on that. And it just kind of seems like, you know, maybe he gets too hyped up in the moment. And the other thing, like his body language seemed off to me yesterday yeah. as well. Right. Like you talk about the team being flat. He looked flat to me, right. He just mm-hmm. had this demeanor and expression, um, he didn't seem fired up and, you know, it just seemed like he was kind of off. Maybe he was beat down by the season or, you know, shit, maybe he doesn't feel 100%. Yeah, off. those tea, tea bags underneath his eyes too, man. Jesus. Yeah, well, you Got know, me, the, the, the guy, you know, he may still be recovering from, from COVID, maybe dealing with some after effects I'll with COVID. You, you know why? Yeah, you never know. I sent you guys this quote. It was from earlier in the week. I believe it was from Ryan Day's radio show. And I meant to mention it on the preview pod because I thought it was revealing when I saw it. I think I saw it on like either Thursday evening or or, or Wednesday evening or, or Thursday, some point. Anyway, midweek. The quote goes like this. And this was from Ryan Day's radio show. He says, quote, physically, we're okay. Mentally, it's been a long road. We hope 
to play our best football, end quote. I saw that quote from Day and it just didn't inspire a ton of confidence. Of course, I was reading between the lines. Physically, we're okay. To me, that said, okay, they're going to be down some guys. Mentally, and this has been a drum that the day has been banging all season long. He's talked about the, the 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 emotional and psychological grind that COVID has had on this team. And Matt, you made the observation at the top: Ohio State looked flat, and I agree with you. I, to, to me, I think this quote from Ryan Day really kind of foreshadowed what we saw for about two and a half quarters in this game. Ohio State had some some psychological, emotional hurdles to clear. You know, much of it COVID related. And, uh, and and certainly, I hope they'll do a better job of kind of managing all that between now and January first. So, so one of the things that you, you know you, you're hearing, it's like, well, you know, they only played six games, and you know, they, it's been a grind for everybody and and all the teams. But I, I I do kind of wonder, like the starting and the stopping for this team, right? So three times, you know, they they were preparing that they were going to play a game. You know, the Illinois game. I mean, literally, that got canceled like on Thursday night. And, no, you know, actually, twelve football, hours before kickoff Friday night, that Illinois game was canceled twelve hours before kickoff. Sorry, go ahead, PBH. You know, and as as much as anything in college football that, that matters, it's emotion, right? And, oh yeah, and getting a team up for you know specific games, and it just it, you know I, I want. Under, you know, so so I guess my point is like some people use it as a knock for high state where they've only played six games, but isn't that harder, right? Because you thought you were going to play actually nine games, mm-hmm. and you know, one of them at the eleventh hour gets canceled, yeah. right? And so it's just from a motivation standpoint, probably pretty difficult for Day and the coaches to get this team up. And, you know, it's so therefore, you know, 2020 COVID, all the other stuff, it was even a harder grind for I state, even though they played less games out of that could be complete bullshit, but well, something I kind of thought of. That's an interesting point. You know, another thing to, to that, add another layer to that, you're really only looking at a second year coach. I mean, he hasn't weathered a lot of dangerous choppy waters more than like urban or other people who have, who saw and been through much more. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was watching how Northwestern reacts to Fitz, Fitzgerald. I mean, they, he's galvanizing with that team. And they, he's, he's like a lightning rod that they kind of all fixate on and they, they pull from his energy. I don't, my, I, you know, I love Day. I think he's, one, you know, he's probably the best young coach out there, but he's a young coach and he's only in his second year as a head coach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he may know the X's and O's, but the emotional end that Paige is talking about and how to – kind of pull people together through adversity that comes through with time. So maybe that's a little bit of it as well. Oh, I think that's definitely a part of it. That's a really good observation, Matt. You could see the gap in experience with that aspect of coaching between Fitzgerald and Day. I totally agree with you there. It's also worth mentioning Northwestern has not had a positive test since Labor Day. So they've done a really good job of managing the spread of the virus within their practice facility. And you know that that was not a factor for them. Why don't we move over to how things played out on the defensive side of the ball? Now, it was no surprise to see Ohio State hold a pretty limited Northwestern offense to 10 points. But again, that doesn't mean that there weren't any harrowing moments for the Buckeyes on that side of the ball. Northwestern did have some early success offensively and really kind of had the Buckeyes defensively on on their heels for a bit. I'm going to get us started and then, Matt, I'm going to kick it over to you. My big takeaway from the defense, the seniors led the way on the defensive side of the ball and turned in most of the impactful plays. And we've already talked about Justin Hilliard, the starting Sam linebacker. Hilliard, a sixth year senior. 
He started in place of Baron Browning. Hilliard now, he was the highest rated prospect in Ohio State's 2015 class. He was a top 50 player who's been plagued by injuries throughout most of his career. He got a sixth year of eligibility from the NCAA this offseason. And thank God for that, man. We needed him in the worst way. And he stepped up big for Ohio State. He led the team with nine tackles, one interception. He had one fumble recovery. Now, that one interception, we've already discussed, huge turning point in the game, at least for the Ohio State defense. I really thought that was the turning point in the game on the whole for the Buckeyes. He also had two tackles for loss. I know you guys are probably going to want to talk about some of these other players, but seniors, Haskell Garrett, Tommy Togiai, they lived in the Northwestern backfield all afternoon. Fifth-year senior, Jonathan Cooper. This is another guy, been with the program a long time, had to deal with some injuries. According to Pro Football Focus, he led the Buckeyes with 10 pressures. Finally, senior linebacker Pete Warner had a big force fumble on Peyton Ramsey early in the fourth quarter. So big kudos to the seniors. We really needed the senior leadership in this game, and we got it. You know, as fans, we, we, we get obsessed with these younger guys sitting on the bench, right? We're waiting for them to get their opportunity. And when things don't go well, we're always talking about, hey, who's that next shiny toy on the bench that we could put in there and and see what they can do. Of course, we're all obsessed with recruiting, but it was the seniors, guys who've been logged a lot of years with this program that were huge for Ohio State yesterday. And I thought that was a really cool thing to see. Sloaner, what did you see from the Ohio State defense yesterday that stood out? Uh, to, to echo what you just said, like Garrett, Togiai, Hilliard, old man Hilliard. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. I was frankly taken with how mediocre the secondary was i mean ramsey had 224 yards yeah he, he had those two interceptions but that came in the second half when they kind of woken up from their sleep mm-hmm. um the bowman had 103 yards on it and uh porter ran for 65 on 16 carries it's you know it's almost four yards a carry i was really underwhelmed with the secondary yeah. um i you know, from listening to the podcast and looking at everything, it's like I've wondered if Coombs is just the Val Kilmer of college football coaches, <laughs> you know, can great in a supporting role, but can't carry the movie by himself. <laughs> yeah. Because I, because it doesn't seem like that secondary just seemed not tight. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was really concerned about that watching it. And I was just like, gosh, if we play, Clemson or Alabama, they're just going to, they're going to be licking their lips. They need to tighten that up. And it didn't look like they were playing with a focus and purpose as well. The mm-hmm. front line defensive line. I mean, gosh, they, they look fantastic. Yeah. And I, that's, that's the encouraging thing. You know, you know, Borland did as usual, you know, got more on assist tackles and solos, but did a solid job. And, you know, I, I, Again, it's kind of like a. I was. I there's some of it's just spectacular, and then the other of it is you know it's very underwhelming and concerning to yeah. be frank. So yeah, yeah, that's my takeaway. Chad, how about you? What did you see from the high state defense yesterday that stood out? They did what they had to do in the second half, man. Mm-hmm. Um, woke up. I mean, what a story with the Justin Hilliard, man. That was yeah. great. He had a hell of a game. Um, well, Proctor showed a little inconsistency yesterday, which kind of surprised me. I mean, he right. had a couple muff plays, but then he had, you know, obviously a couple big plays. I mean, he could have had that pick six on that. I lost my shit you when know, that happened, by the way. I went berserk when, when that went through his hands. Yeah. I was screaming. <laughs> I was like, Josh, I've been in your corner all, all year. Come on, man. Come on, Josh. He made up for it, though. He did get a pick <laughs> later in the game. But, man, I went berserk when, he, when that went through his hands. Sorry. Go ahead, CP. So he had a good, you know, 
inconsistency there. Um, you know, you you got to just give it up to, to Garrett and Togiai, man. Those, those two are just balling up front. Oh, man. On that really defensive are. line. Like, what is Zach Harrison? When is he going to, like, become, a, you know what I mean? Yeah, we, Live up to the hype. You know, ironically, Zach Harrison, according to Pro Football Focus, was Ohio State's highest graded defensive player yesterday. <laughs> really? Yeah. 83.6 was his overall grade. He was 76 against the run, uh, 75% in tackling, and was their top-rated pass rusher yesterday at almost 78%. So he was a presence, though wow. he didn't, you know, he didn't register any sacks. But I guess we've been saying that about the Ohio State defensive line, at least at defensive end all season, right? It's kind of like that's great to get the pressures, but come on, man, let's give, give me some sacks here. Give me something to tackles for loss, yeah. right? I think Vincent Vincent had a good game yesterday. He had a tackle for loss. Yes, he did. You know who impressed me yesterday and is going to be a great spot is Ransom. Big pass breakup on fourth game. down, right? He had that huge yeah. – basically yeah. on Northwestern's last possession, he, he, he comes up with a big hit. Right. Jar that ball loose. Now, he only played 12 snaps, but he was the Ohio State's second highest graded defensive player, according to Pro Football Focus. Interestingly. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of good promise yeah. there. PVH, what did you see from the Ohio State defense that stood out? If that kid's going to be a good player. He just looks damn small to me, though. Doesn't yeah. he? I mean, he, he's just, but I do think he's got a, a nose for the ball, right? Just there's something about him for those yeah. few plays that was, that he, he was in there. Um, definitely showed a lot of promise. I, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing if you think about it, right? I mean, Northwestern took their opening kick, went down and scored a touchdown. And then basically that was it, right? You know, I mean, so they also did, however, convert three or four maybe five long third down pass oh, plays so that frustrating were just so frustrating Ugh. right so i think as as fans we get caught up in that and 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 therefore we're skewed a little bit because for the most part the defense played a pretty damn great game um obviously they limited him you know to, to only what 10 points yeah yep 10 points 10 points mm -hmm. um it just kind of felt worse than it was um but yeah, Haskell and and, and Togiai are, dude. That's the strength of this team. Um, they were fired up. I mean, if there was two guys on the field um, that were not flat that were fired up, it was those two. I mean, man, they were just they were getting after it. And I also thought, I thought Proctor played a hell of a game. Now yeah. he was going to light that dude up when he missed that pick six, and that's just the kind of player that he is. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't think he took his eyes off the ball when I watched that replay. It looked like he was about ready to just destroy that kid. Um, <laughs> And the ball, you know, got tipped up and it went through his hands. Um, moving forward, to me, he's the X factor for this team. I totally agree, right? PBH. Hey, I just want to back you up on your point here. So uh, Josh Proctor was Ohio State's fourth highest graded defensive player yesterday. He graded out 78%. Now, he did have the one uh, he overpursued on the long run by Ramsey on the opening drive, yep. right? He, yep. And he slipped and that allowed Ramsey to get free for the long run. But that's really the only mistake I remember him making. I agree with you. He was very good for them yesterday, and the pro football focus grades uh, actually suggest that. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he's you, you can just see the athleticism of that guy, mm -hmm. and we need it in the secondary because to Sloaner's point, yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to live with you know seven banks, and you know Wade's a great player. I I don't know if he's a first round pick or not, but you know, I mean, it's what we have at this point. There's nobody walking through that door. Right. We need all hands on deck. We need all those guys uh, healthy 
uh, for the next for the next game, obviously. But to me, you know, you know what you're going to get with the linebackers. They're solid. Um, you know, having Browning back will be key. The defensive line is clearly our strength. If, if Proctor is an X factor, then we've got it. We've got a chance. And to me, he's the, he's the one guy that you're like, mm, yep, I can see it. I think I said this before, maybe last year, or year or two ago, he reminds me of Darren Lee. He's just got that it factor. And mm-hmm. if he can put it all together, yep. I think he can shore up that defense and give us a chance and, you know, going forward. Well, you know, I've, I've been Mr. You know, Josh Proctor, I mean, I've been his number one fan uh, all season long and really been stumping for Josh to get more playing time and, and to win that free safety job back. You know what I thought was kind of a, a, a an undervalued loss for Ohio State was Ronnie Hickman not being able to go. Now, Hickman, I read that he actually went through warmups, went back in the locker room and came out in street clothes. But Hickman flashed in that Michigan State game, and he was going to. I was very anxious to see Proctor move to free safety, and then Ronnie Hickman play that bullet Sam second safety role, which I think would have been the plan had he been available. So that's another to, to go along with your point about Proctor being that X factor. If they can get Hickman healthy, they could be a much improved secondary with both of those guys available, and they're they're going to need all hands on deck, as you've said. So why don't we have a peek at Ohio State's playoff matchup? Now, the playoff rankings came out earlier today. As everybody knows by now, Alabama finishes as the one seed. They're going to square off with Notre Dame in AT&T Stadium in Texas, which will be the technically the Rose Bowl, but it's it's the site of what is typically the Cotton Bowl. That's on January 1st, number one versus number four. Ohio State, of course, as we know, is going to square off with Clemson in New Orleans, in the Sugar Bowl, also on January 1st. I guess, first of all, let let me ask you this, Matt, did the committee get it right, in your opinion, with those four teams? Uh, From an entertainment standpoint, most certainly. Okay. I don't, I don't, I think that you, that's going to be very good ratings. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Chad, what do you think? Did the committee get it right? Yeah, I I think they did. Um, You know, Texas A&M had a little bit of a case, I guess. I mean, seven straight SEC wins, but I don't know. As you know, I, I'm not a big fan of Notre Dame. So <laughs> That's right. You know, either way, I would have been happy to see him. I'm, I have a feeling Alabama is going to kick the show. Yeah. 17 and a half point yeah. opening line. Yeah, that has all the trappings of, a, of another Alabama laugher in the semis. Paige, I, I think I know where you stand on this. You said yesterday over text, you thought it, it didn't, Notre Dame was going to be in regardless of, of how the game with Clemson played out and and I I assume you agree that the playoff committee got the field right. I think they got the four teams right. I do disagree with how they seeded them because what I saw Clemson's the best team in the country. I don't think, I I mean, I don't know how anybody doesn't watch that Notre Dame game. And I watched just about every single play of that and Mm -hmm. not go, Holy shit, this is the most complete team. I can't stand him. And I underestimated what an impact he has for that team it's that freaking linebacker schlotsky's deli or whatever the hell his name is <laughs> skulski yeah james skulski skulski yeah. uh-huh. oh my god i mean I, <laughs> he's good it's gonna give us it's nightmares yeah. um and and then you know i i didn't watch a whole ton of the the bama game but their defense is just not that great so to me Clemson should be the one seed. Now, again, they're not going to do that, right? Because then you're seeding them with Notre Dame and they're just, they don't want, nobody wants to see that again. Right. So I get it. But to me, 
I would have gone, you know, if you took if you took that out of the equation, Clemson's one, Bama's two, we're three, and Notre Dame's four. I agree with you. The Clemson to me looks like the most complete team in the field. You know, they play in that really tough ACC conference. (laughs) That's true. That's true. And, you know, this was part of the discussion last year when we looked at Ohio State Clemson in the playoffs, right, was who has Clemson played? Have they really seen anything remotely like what they'll see in Ohio State? And that might be another question, you know, the same question for this year's matchup. So we'll see. All right, well, let's have a quick peek then at Clemson. And, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because we are going to do a preview pod on this matchup in the coming days. Clemson will come into this matchup with Ohio State at 10-1. Of course, their only loss, as we all know, was to Notre Dame, a 47-40 double overtime loss in South Bend on October 31st. As we all remember, Trevor Lawrence did not play in that game. The Tigers were also down three key starters, including your boy James Skalski Page on defense, which, which clearly had an impact in that game. Trevor Lawrence was awesome last night for Clemson. 322 yards passing, two touchdowns. He also ran for 90 yards and a touchdown. Man, he is really, really dangerous as a runner. And that's something Ohio State is clearly going to remember and and plan for, I would certainly hope. Travis Etienne, another guy who killed us last year, ran for 124 yards on 10 carries and a touchdown against Notre Dame. Look, the Clemson offense, very good, very explosive. Maybe not as explosive as they were last year, but they're fourth nationally in scoring offense, 11th in total offense, 16th in offensive yards per play, 7th in passing offense. Not as good running the ball, you know, tradition, handing it off to Etienne. I think Etienne is more dangerous as a receiver out of the backfield than he is as a running back. They're only 64th in rushing offense. And then defense, Clemson, very solid. Sixth in total defense, fifth in defensive yards per play, ninth in rushing defense, 26th against the pass that's nationally, and 27th in red zone defense. Now, I think it's worth pointing out, Indiana was number one, Northwestern number four nationally in red zone defense. So those experiences with those two defense might serve us well squaring off with this Clemson defense, who's also very good in the red zone, although not quite as good as Indiana and Northwestern. Matt, I'm going to kick it back to you. Why don't you just give us one or two thoughts about this matchup with Clemson? Uh, we're going to be getting two inferior versions of the teams that played last year. So uh, they're both very good, but I would say clearly both teams last year were bet were stronger teams than the ones the versions that we're getting this year. I would agree with that. Uh, um, the, what it will come down to is coaching mm-hmm. and when it comes down to coaching, Day's going to have to fuck has going to really have to pick up his game. For us yeah. to have a chance, if not to win. Chad, what do you think? Give us a couple thoughts on Ohio State Clemson. I mean, I'm so looking forward to this game. And as you guys know, I, I, my love for Dato is just <laughs> so, so big. Um, I'd say what's going to be a factor, though, um, I don't know if anybody's taking this into account, but uh, that Nolan Turner, their safety, who has like 51 uh, tackles, three interceptions this season. He's going to be out for the entire first half of that targeting call. Oh, that's that. a good point. Good oh, point. That's yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I'll take so, that. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I can't wait for this game. I think they're going to do a lot of deep diving over the next couple of weeks on both sides of the ball. And I, I think we're going to be ready. PVH? Uh, I'm pretty nervous. Uh, I think, you know, Northwestern's a good team. Um, and hats off to them and Fitzgerald Clemson's just a whole nother animal. And so I think, I think any 
sane Buckeye fan would have to have some logical resetting of expectations after watching that um, game yesterday and then watching Clemson play right after that. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that I don't think they can win. I definitely think they can win. I do agree with both Chad and Matt. Like this is, this is a pretty fascinating X's and O's chess match. Um, And, you know, a clear one a on the insufferable chart behind Dabo is his boy Venables. Who's just, <laughs> I, I, just there's just something about them that is just so annoying. And maybe it's just cause they're freaking good. And you know, there's a little bit of jealousy there, I guess. Um, but I think, I think day is going to have to come up with a pretty um, creative game plan to win this game. And, and candidly, you know, maybe it's just a pound them, to dirt with our run game mm-hmm. until they can stop it because then that way we keep Lawrence and that offense off the field. And, I like that. you know, day is always like, we're just going to be aggressive and you know, this is who we are. And I'm like, dude, you know, sometimes you got to adjust and specifically to your competition. So we'll see if he does it. I mean, it'll be pretty, pretty fascinating. I, I'm, but I'm officially nervous yeah. um, because they, they look like a pretty, you know, most complete team in the country to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Ohio State is an early six and a half point underdog in that game. We'll see if that line moves at all. I agree with you, Paige, on the run game. If you if you go back to last year's game, Clemson, yeah, the only thing that stopped the Ohio State running game was a, a, a J.K. Dobbins high ankle sprain. Clemson never really showed that they could stop the running game until that injury. And I think Ohio State, they're not going to counter this year with a J.K. Dobbins at tailback. But look, this is the best running team in the Big Ten by far. This is a top 10 nationally rushing offense by Ohio State. I think you do have to lean on that offensive line, lean on that running game. And Day is going to have to fight that tendency, that impulse to be overly aggressive, unnecessarily so. We, Matt, you already made the point earlier in the pod that really that tendency may have cost us that that game last year in the Fiesta Bowl against Clemson. You know, the, the one thing I will say about Clemson and, and Matt, again, back to your point about both of these teams being, you know, slightly diminished from the versions of the teams we saw in this game last year is they're not as dangerous on the outside. Remember, they had Higgins and Ross last year at receiver, not quite as dangerous there on the outside as they were last season. Now, they do have a very good receiver in Amari Rogers. It was a, it was Rogers last year who had the big reception to set up the go ahead touchdown late in that game. And he's a very good player. He caught a long touchdown pass yesterday against Notre Dame. But I'm not sure Lawrence is operating with the same weapons in the passing game that he was. We know certainly in the case of ETN that he he is. And this will be a test of that Ohio State front seven. We've been saying they're a strength, but and and they have been this year, but they haven't been tested by a player of ETN's caliber. They need to lean on their offensive line. We do, Ohio State, right? Yeah. I mean, you can make the argument that's our that's our biggest strength. Those guys, you know, as you know, Sermon gets all the, the headlines on that stuff, right? But those were gaping holes yesterday, yeah. right? And he did show great vision, right? And he was having some nice cutbacks and stuff, but those holes were there. And I think that might be this the key to success is that offensive line is massive. They're talented. And that's where I would hang my hat if I'm Ryan Day in a high state, but we'll see if they do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like I don't, I would, this game is about not superstars. This is about us, everyone doing their role. Like Justin Fields just needs to do what he's good at. Just needs to be the star. He doesn't need to be a superstar. 
just needs to do what he's good at. And if everyone does that, I think that we can win the game or it's, it's, it's well within a reach to win the game. Yeah. And, you know, Wilson and Alave still pretty good. It remains to be seen if we're going to see Alave. And, and you're going to see Alave. You're going to see Alave. They're going to do what yeah. they need to do to Let's get Alave just, on the field, right? The, the yeah. breaking news from the Belpre Daily Beast: Alave tested positive. <laughs> <laughs> he tested positive on the 14th or 15th. Oh, let's see. Any math majors? Now we're at 17 days. I'm looking at a calendar. Yeah, that puts us right at the first at about a 17 day period. Unless he's legitimately sick. Let's just be clear. The kid got COVID and he's legitimately sick, then maybe not. But you're going to see a lot of it. I think right. what Ohio State saw in Indiana and Northwestern combined. Now, those defenses are effective in different ways, right? Indiana likes to sell out and just send these all, everything but the kitchen sink blitzes at quarterbacks. And that's how they create turnovers. That's how they create pressure. Northwestern, a little different, right? They drop eight. They make you throw through tight windows and they force you into mistakes that way. Venable's defense, he's going to do a little bit of both, right? He's going to bring exotic pressures and then he's also going to have it, you know, he's going to mix up his coverages. I think it's it could turn out to be valuable that Ohio State had the experiences that they did with both Indiana and Northwestern. It'd be interesting right. to see, uh, you know, how that manifests itself in the game plan for, for Clemson. Matt, did you have another comment you wanted to make? No, it was just great agreeing with your brilliant point. <laughs> Chad, how about you? Any other <laughs> any other thoughts on the, the matchup with Clemson before we wrap things up today? No, no, no. It's all good. I'm just going to be uh, doing a lot of pacing over the next couple of weeks, getting ready for this this matchup. Um, but I do have a couple of shout-outs. Sure, One go ahead. One of our uh, boys, Jarrett Monkey Barnes' birthday today. All right. So happy birthday to, to Monkey. We also have one of our uh, – uh, fellow Buckeye South Stand uh, listeners, um, Amy and Beth Caldwell's father, Jim's birthday was on Friday or All Saturday right. one, but happy birthday to Jim. Happy well. birthday, Jim. Good luck. All right. Good stuff. Well, hey, boys, really great effort for a Sunday. We're right at about the hour mark. Why don't we wrap things up here? And in about a week or so, let's reconvene to have a peek at Ohio State Clemson. been listening to the south stands a buckeye football podcast you can follow us on twitter instagram and facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com